a listener production. Hey, listeners, just before we jump into this story, which is absolutely fascinating, if we do say so ourselves, um, we just felt like it was worth acknowledging the fact that, yes, this story takes place in Iran. Mm. And uh, there is obviously a lot of really, really terrible stuff that is going on in Iran right now. Um, They're pushing for revolution and change because they've been living under this terrible theocratic dictatorship Mm. for so long. Um, So many lives have been lost and human rights abuses have been committed and it is absolutely terrible. And when all that started to kick off Mm. last year, um, that's when I started to get a bit curious because I was hearing about the dreadful things that were happening over Mm. there and the fact that women were calling for freedoms that they used to have. I was totally unaware, but back in the 50s, 60s and 70s, Mm. women there had a lot of the very same freedoms Mm. that women around the world enjoy today. They were allowed to wear bikinis. They were allowed to vote. They Mm. were allowed to even run for office. They could work and go to school and all Mm. of those rights had been taken away from them. So, like I... You know, I'm not a student of history. I don't know a lot about world politics Mm. and this kind of stuff. So that was, I'm embarrassed to say, really surprising to me. I just assumed that the state it is now there, particularly for women, has always been such. For hundreds of years. No. No, not the case. And so when I was sort of researching and trying to educate myself around what it used to be like Mm. in Iran, that's how I stumbled across this story, Mm. which has a lot of silliness to it. Mm. Um, And there's a lot of very quirky, funny stuff along the way here. It is quite outrageous and there are going to be bits that certainly do make your blood boil. Um, But yeah, we just wanted to acknowledge that in this climate where, of course, Iran is getting a lot of attention, maybe not enough attention um, from the global community, um, we should just sort of point out that this was a moment in time um, that isn't going to be focusing on the things that are going on in Iran right now. No, and you know what? That's not... This isn't a show where we give you just the gist of very complicated, Mm. horrific uh, human rights abuses or things like that going on in the current political climate in the world. We are that is not our place. Mm. But I do kind of like that in, you know, trying to get your head around what was going on in Iran, you came across this story and something we can do here Mm. at just the gist is tell weird, outrageous stories. Mm. And so I hope that in telling this story about Iran back in the 70s, um, we are able to sort of get in the side the side window about yeah. bringing attention to the country as a whole and then we are going to put a lot of links and resources in the show notes for places that you can go and help and take action now, be it through donating or educating yourself or just getting across what's happening Um in Iran at the moment, particularly since um, September when Marsha Amini was Mm. uh, murdered by the authorities. The protests that have kicked off since then um, have been uh, inspiring to watch, really, but also, like, has made a lot of people realise how awful it is there and Mm. it's not getting enough attention. So this is just our little way of of trying to, um, you know... Tell a story that will mm-hmm. hopefully lead you in a direction where you can um, help now, today. Mm. Yeah. And it'll certainly give you some um, some context about what's gone on in Iran in the last century or so. Well, yeah, because essentially <laughs> the party you talk about in this story kind of kicks off a whole lot of mm. 
to where we are now, yeah. bizarrely. Big ripple effect. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. Oh! <clears throat> Okay. Are we on? Mm-hmm. I think she was recording all of that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Hello, listeners. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to discuss at a dinner party. Rosie, Lindsay, welcome back. Hello. Hello. Another week, another story. My turn. It's your turn this week. Yes. And this week I'm serving up just the gist of the party of the millennium. <gasps> this is the tale of the most opulent decadent, expensive shindig the world has ever seen. Your 21st. <laughs> <laughs> My 30th. I put a little Oh, yeah, your 30th into. was pretty, mm, mm, yeah. Epic. Um, yeah, and then we'll get into how that shindig led to the end of a monarchy that had reigned for two and a half thousand years. <gasps> this is just the gist of the Shah of Iran's billion-dollar jamboree. So, 1970, the oh, Shah... Oh, the 70s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very, very beginning of the yeah. 70s. The Shah of Iran is the king of Iran, yep. or as he called himself, Shahan Shah, which means king of kings. Oh, okay. His name was Muhammad Reza Pahlavi, and he oh. decided he should throw the most lavish celebration the world had ever seen. Modest fellow. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very, very humble. Mm-hmm. Um, why did he feel compelled to do this? Life short. Cause. Kick up your heels. <laughs> How old is he? He's 51 at okay. this point. And no, there were actually two main reasons why he thought oh, this okay. was appropriate for him to do. Firstly, it was roughly the 2500th anniversary of the founding of the original Persian Empire by mm-hmm. King Cyrus the Great. Mm-hmm. And when it was founded, Persia was the biggest, wealthiest empire the world had ever seen. Mm -hmm. This anniversary seemed like an opportunity to make this very flamboyant gesture that would remind the world that Iran slash Persia was once the greatest nation in the world. Once was top dog. Yes. Yeah. Um, Can I... Question? Yeah. Is he a direct descendant, is it like two and a half, is it like the English royal family where it is literally, they're all inbred and cousins Mm. and they really are all related? Is he related back to the... Not even close. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But he's trying to make it seem like that. And we'll see throughout the celebrations, there's a few moments where he tries to take the opportunity to sort of go, look, there was Cyrus the Great and then there was me. Uh, And we're on par with each other. Yes. Um, But in actual fact, it you want to know the details of how he became the Shah. It was so firstly his dad was instated as the Shah after a coup yeah. and the British and the Americans put him in charge of the country and he yeah. was basically just a puppet just that a they could control guy. and he let them drill for oil wherever they wanted. Ah, oh, so that's why they liked him. That's right. Yeah. And then in 1941 they found out that he was technically neutral in World War II but was on Hitler's side. 
and they oh, were concerned that he was going to uh, hand over the oil fields to the Nazis. Uh, also, just not a good look to be on Hitler's side. Um, so they ousted him, sent him into exile, which then meant his 21-year-old son, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, then became the Shah. So he's literally just the son of a dude. That's right. Like, and that dude was once just an army bloke who got into politics, became a minister, and then the Brits and Yanks went, you'll do, you can be king. And then he was like, but Hitler's my friend. Mm. He's a nice guy. The paintings and such. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Okay. So that's it, really. That's it, yeah. Wow, isn't it interesting how, like, the English say that their their royal family is ordained by God all royal families do it. It's like, mm. no, you just won a thing or someone picked you out of a group. Yeah. That's really all it comes back this to, This is isn't such it? a great example of just how mm. random it really can be. It really is. And he truly, you know, started to believe his own bullshit over the course of 30 years of reigning. Yeah. And just started to embody that <gasps> mentality of I've got the closest connection to God out of anyone in this country and yeah. every decision that I make is actually God moving through me. So it's like Elon Musk... I can do the Adele interview. Guy is so Elon. In charge of a country, mm. etc. Okay, so he's 21, comes into power in 1941. Yes. Okay, now, on board. He's been reigning for 30, 30 years. years and he wants to let the world know that Iran is on its way back to the top. It's ready to reclaim its status mm-hmm. as a superpower because, yes, it had had a few rocky patches mm-hmm. over the century that had kind of left the country behind. Yeah. So this was, you know... Partly declaring this symbolic start of a new era of Mm. prosperity. And he announced very directly that he intended to make Iran one of the five most powerful countries in the world Mm -hmm. by the end of his reign. It's kind of like just a big PR party. Absolutely, yes. It's just for PR. That's right. (laughs) And not just for Iran, of course. For him. He wanted the world to know he was a very, very special boy. Very special boy. Yes. Yeah, they um, all are, aren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he had had absolute power in this country for three decades mm-hmm. at this point. His mm. word was law. No one ever told him no. Mm. And, of course, he was one of the richest people on the planet. Absolutely, it's mm. pumped his tyres and gone to his head. Yeah. Um, he felt, though, that he didn't get enough recognition on the global stage. <sighs> because he felt he truly was such a great leader because the country was becoming so prosperous because of all that oil they were selling uh-huh. to the Americans and to the Brits. Uh-huh. Um, he also wanted credit for how progressive and westernised Iran was becoming. And how how much were they? Uh, he was allowing women to go to school. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> Uh, allowing them to vote in sham elections. Sure, meant yeah. Nothing. Um, they could even run for office in those sham elections. Mm-hmm. They could drive cars <gasps> and they could wear whatever they wanted. He's, it's like, he he's basically Malala Yousafzai, <laughs> truly. Yeah. Okay. He, all right. So, all right. And when you say he wants everyone to know that he's made Iran more prosperous mm-hmm. over the 30 years he's been in power... Had he actually? He'd made himself self, and his I was going to say, the oil yep. that he was allowing to drill for and to sell mm-hmm. made him more prosperous, yes. but not the, the wider class, population. Absolutely. Of, right, okay. Yep, he just wanted everyone to ignore the fact that about 50% of the country were living below the poverty line. So it's got like North Korea, Kim Jong-un vibes. It's Very. got... Uh, Elon Musk and the Tesla factory vibes. Mm -hmm. It's got all the vibes. Delusions of grandeur. Mm -hmm. He very much wanted to 
wanted people to sort of picture him the same way they pictured the great emperors of Persia, mm. like Cyrus the Great, Darius the Great, Xerxes the Great. He wanted to be Muhammad Reza the Great. Muhammad Reza. He wanted to go down in history. Spoiler alert, he gets his wish. So he's going to throw a fancy party. Fancy party. Yep. <laughs> to go down in history. He wanted this moment in the spotlight. In the spotlight. Look, it's better than going to war, no? Agreed. Agreed. Fancy Possibly party. as expensive. <laughs> Okay, oh, yes. And also, it really seems like he thought if this spotlight was dazzling enough, he'd be able to hide all the terrible human rights abuses and poverty and suffering just deep in the shadows. No one would pay attention to any of those aspects of what was going on in his country if he just threw this massive shindig. A party planning committee was Mm. assembled, Mm -hmm. and just like any party, they had to work out dates, location, Mm -hmm. guest list, catering, entertainment, all that. Yep, yep, yep. They had a lot to do, and they only had one year to get it all done. Yeah. One of the first big decisions to make was, where do you hold the world's grandest party? Mm. And they chose the ancient city of Persepolis, which is a solid choice from a symbolic perspective. Mm. Persepolis was one of the empire's first official capitals, two and a half thousand years ago. Mm -hmm. Historically, it was very important. But of course, in 1970, there was nothing at Persepolis Mm -hmm. except for a bunch of stone ruins Mm -hmm. in the middle of a completely arid desert where it gets over 40 degrees during the day and then well below zero at nighttime. It's going to be fire fest. (laughs) (laughs) And there are billions of critters that can and will bite and (gasps) kill you. Snakes. Spiders, scorpions, The whole to do. Mm. And to get Persepolis ready first, (laughs) they sterilised the place. Oh. They sprayed a 30-hectare area around Persepolis with enough poison to kill everything. Yeah, I was going to say with bug spray, you mean. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, but just killed every animal in the area. Ecological disaster. Oh, no. The tragic irony was when they sent out a cleanup crew to collect all the corpses, Yeah, they found all these bodies of reptiles and birds and bugs that had never been discovered before. Oh, no. But were now endangered or extinct. Well, endangered <laughs> for a second and then extinct because yeah. they're gone. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Yeah. No, that's terrible. Yeah, ghastly that they would do that for a party. And also everybody knows the way the ecological thing works from the poem. Like, and then the spider ate the fly and the mm-hmm. fly ate the thing and the thing ate the thing, you know, because everything, it's a its a food chain. It's a mm-hmm. whole system. Like if bees die, we're all effed. That's right. <gasps> yeah. Oh, dear. But this was the choice they made so that they'd have a clean palate to work on. <laughs> clean palate. Where oh they could God. create... An oasis. How big is Persepolis? Like, what what are we talking here in terms of party space? Um, like a city or like a football field? They end up building a city. Yes. Wowzers. Yeah, and I'll get into describing what they construct. (laughs) But yeah, they basically build a city next to a city. I don't know the exact dimensions, but Mm -hmm. several hectares. Okay. Yeah. A lot. Big. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah, before they built the city, they had to create this forest and garden that the Shah expected to see. He wanted lush greenery. He wanted something that looked very much like Versailles in France, but in the desert. And they got all the armed forces in on the project and brought a lot of people from overseas, of course. And, you know, when you throw money at something and you've got unlimited funds, you can make stuff like this happen. And no one's saying no, so it's very much a case of 
him Elon Musking from the top going, I want a forest. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they have to just snap his fingers. <gasps> wow. It happens. Okay. I might have already mentioned this at the time, half the people in Iran barely had enough access to water to oh drink, to farm their crops, let alone bathe. Don't tell me they're going to use all the water for mm-hmm. the they would have really appreciated having more access to water, not less, but instead all these tankers of water were brought to the desert Uh and they brought in tonnes and tonnes of soil from France to cover hectares of land, planted 15,000 cypress trees and 15,000 flowering shrubs, roses, gardenias, that sort of thing, laid tonnes of turf installed these grand fountains and naturally there had to be a golf course. <laughs> so that was added into Did the they build as the well. forest and then cut it down to put the golf course? <laughs> yeah. It's the only way. Oh my God. Mm. Okay. Whoa. And then to add the finishing touch that would really create the ambiance of a European uh-huh. garden just mm-hmm. before the party began in October. They brought in 50,000 songbirds (gasps) and released them into this newly planted forest. Some of those birds survived for up to three days. What would they eat? They killed everything. That's right. There's no food. No. There's not enough water for them (gasps) to drink as well. And they're not used to temperatures like that during the day. So like the Hunger Games for them. (laughs) Oh, no. I mean, some of them maybe... Made a run for it, maybe, a flight for it, maybe. tried to get out of there, but they probably didn't make it very far oh, no. in the desert. Yeah, 50,000 of them, just so that there'd be bird song I in wonder, the background I wonder the if they cleaned them up or, like, people went for a nice stroll in the forest and there's just 50,000 dead birds <laughs> the night of the party. Just <laughs> whacking oh, no, it's not horses. funny, but it is. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Um, then, in terms of the facilities, yeah. yeah. So they've got this beautiful, lush space. They obviously needed accommodation and the party venue. They hired the best French architects and interior designers to create what was basically the ultimate luxury glamping site Ooh. for these VIP guests. They called it a tent city and they were asked to design something that would sort of give a little nod to the traditional Persian mm-hmm. tent cities that the nomadic tribes used to live in. For centuries. Oh, I see what you said. So it's very, it's a tent, but it is like luxe. Yeah. yeah. Um, they only wanted them to look like tents from the outside because right, obviously right, they were right, going right, to need right, air right, conditioning right. and plumbing and sure. electricity, all of that. So mm-hmm. what they built was really fifty cylindrical houses. Wow. That then they just put look. a plastic coating over the top so it looked like a tent. It's like they're building Vegas. Yeah. Like how Las Vegas has an Eiffel Tower and a and a the a, a replica of Venice mm. and but it's not real it's not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So each of these little tent houses had two bedrooms, <gasps> two bathrooms, <gasps> a lounge room big enough to entertain 12 people, <gasps> a kitchen and servants' quarters because, of course, they had maids available to them 24 hours a day. It's bigger than anywhere we've ever lived, Mm. essentially. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. When you hear who's on the guest list, you'll understand why they wanted to make it Wait, how many did you say there were of these, of the houses? 50. 50, oh, my. Arranged in five streets that radiated out from a giant fountain in, like, a star formation. And, of course, they were all fitted out with, like, Brand new luxury top of the line furniture and linen and crystal glassware, <sighs> finest porcelain, fully stocked mini bar with all top shelf booze. I want to go <laughs> to this party. 
Mm, okay. Um, when you get to hear about it, you'll see that it's really not worth it. Not a fun party? Not okay. Oh, it sounds like such a chore. And then the finishing touch yes. in each of the tents. Each one had a tapestry hanging on the wall, and this was not just generic hotel art. Each one was a hand-woven portrait of the guest of honour <gasps> who was staying there. Of yourself? Yes. <gasps> so you would walk in and see this beautiful, big, woven <laughs> portrait. You'd want to hope it was like take home. off a nice picture. You know, what if it was... I think they probably got to submit. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll just do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the architects also designed a very grand reception hall and this super opulent dining hall, 75 metres long by 25 metres wide. Oh, my God. And they also had to design and build a few beauty salons for all the women to have their Natch. hair and makeup done. Yeah. A giant wine cellar, and wait till you hear how much wine they had. A fortified bunker in case there was a terrorist attack. They built a proper city with all <gasps> this infrastructure for a three-day party. Oh, my God. Insane. So very impressive, mm-hmm. obviously very expensive, mm. and we can all question whether it was really worth spending the money to build this city, which they used for three days you're gonna, and then left. You're going to end up telling us the amount. Sure. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll see if I can scratch that itch for you. Yeah. Uh, now, onto the guest list. According mm. to some of the party planners, the party was initially just going to be an intimate affair for prominent Iranians, uh-huh. just... The locals, very grand, but yeah. just for locals. Mm-hmm. But then they started thinking about inviting some close allies, presidents, queens, mm-hmm. kings. And then word somehow got out about these plans to host the world's biggest bash. And suddenly the leaders of every country around the world were like, ding dong. Really? Hi, I hear you're having a bit of a soiree. And maybe that is true. And if it is, you know the first person to try to wrangle an invite was going to be. Imelda Marcos. Yeah, okay, Imelda. Absolutely. Imelda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can totally see her doing that. Mm-hmm. I think they just wanted to sort of spin this message that the Shah was just a very popular boy. Yeah, because when you said people, politicians, like world leaders wanted to go, I was like, wouldn't they want to, at least Western ones avoid mm. going, wouldn't they then? Oh, no, but they want the oil. Yeah, so they want to, you know, maintain Keep the relationship a going. Partnership. Right. Yeah. Um, what about, like, is he the sad kind of one like Elon who wants Hollywood celebrities? This is the thing. I, like, I don't believe that people were asking to come. I think he was, he was reaching asking. out to yeah. everyone and wanted to make sure he got the biggest big names. Yeah, defo, defo. Yeah. And it was controversial to attend yes, because there right. had been lots of protests about this guy for the last few decades in particular because word was getting out about all sorts of human rights abuses. Mm-hmm. People were being arrested without a warrant. They were being um, tortured mm. and imprisoned without a trial. Like there was yeah. Yeah, some really n- terrible things happening. But he lets ladies drive. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he wants you to focus yeah. on, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there were a number of people who were invited who said, no, thank you, mm-hmm. and politely declined. Or they would say, look, I'll just send one of my representatives so mm. that we can maintain a diplomatic relationship. Ultimately, 64 world vi- world leaders said, yep, okay, <gasps> I'll be there. Really? Wouldn't miss that. Yeah. Which one? Which, like, ones that I would know? Do you want to have a guess? Don't tell me the ones I won't care about. Jacob, do you think I'm going to know who any world leaders were in 1970? Like, I'm about to say, like, Julia Gillard. Like, I don't, 
Um, Ronald Reagan? He wasn't in power at the time. Richard Nixon was. I was close-ish. You were. Very well done. Uh Yes. Uh, So... uh, What's his name? Nixon was going to go, mm-hmm. but then he was advised that it wouldn't be safe because there were threats of terrorist attacks happening, uh-huh. and so he sent his vice president instead oh, to no. take the bullet. Was that Spiro Agnew? Oh no, I I've never heard those words. Yeah. So it's the only time I've ever said them out loud. That's for <laughs> I sure. I would never have guessed that. I wonder if um, it's related to Matt. Matt, mm, mm. I don't know. Um, I'll ask him when I ask about Do. the thing that I've already forgotten. Oh, the Earth spinning. Um, who was the boss of England? The Queen. Did the Queen go? The Queen was invited. Yes. And there is a written record where her advisors told her it would be a bad look mm. for the reigning monarch or the heir to go and sort of bend the knee and pay tribute to another foreign ah, monarch. Sure. But then Philip was like, I'll go. And Did Princess Anne was like, I'll come with you. Oh, so of Philip and Anne. The yeah. party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was so the alpha at the party as well. When you Stop. look at the footage and the photos, you can just tell that like he was the real top dog at oh the celebrations. Oh, who else? Because he was like related to half of the people there because like every royal family pretty much really? was represented. Like all the Scandi countries, Greece. Greece, like, Monaco, like. Liechtenstein, yeah. all of them. Yeah. yeah. Did anyone from Australia go? Yes, the Governor General went, and I don't know his name. Whichever one it was, <laughs> yeah. one of them. Um, and let me think of some other ones that you might be aware of. Princess Grace. Oh. Grace Kelly. Monaco. Of Monaco. Yeah. Yes, she was there. Um, in the end, they had one emperor, the emperor of Ethiopia, who bought his little dog, Lulu. Okay. Chihuahua. Yeah. There were eight queens, five kings, 15 presidents, <gasps> and then a whole bunch of emirs and sultans and sheiks and prime ministers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which meant that you had this real sort of spectrum of status. Yeah. Because, like, they really paid attention to hierarchy. Yeah. And the kings outranked the princes who outranked the publicly elected officials. And what a fascinating thing to be a fly on a wall at when you think about the status because every person in that room is usually the most important person of Mm. any room they're in. Mm -hmm. And then imagine then your 80th. Yes. Like how would you handle that in your brain? Yeah. That's so funny. There'd be a lot of temper tantrums. Yeah. I think that's a big part of why this was not a super fun event. Yeah. Because no one would want That's why I'm really surprised. I assumed when you started talking about this, that it was going to be like, I don't know who was alive then, but like Barbara Streisand and Cher mm. and they would want like fun people to go. Mm. No, they just focused on the leaders. <sighs> but uh, they suck. Mm. They're boring. The biggest celebrity who was yeah. there? Who? Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters. Oh, but she was reporting, reporting from the scene. From the scene. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Apart from that, yeah, I don't think there were any other sort of Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because they had all these world leaders, that really raised the stakes yeah. on, you know, how important this party was, how historic it was. And so the people who were involved in planning the committee were pretty much told, you will be executed <gasps> if this doesn't go flawlessly. I can't believe I haven't heard about it. Yeah. And so at that point as well, if there had ever been a budget, it just went out the window completely (laughs) and everyone just had carte blanche, do whatever you need to do to just make this as outrageously elaborate as you possibly can. So you said it's three days. Yes. Uh, 
To what end? Like culminating in, like, is it just to party? I'll walk you through the different events (sighs) that happen. Like, does it end in like happy birthday around a cake? Like, what's the, where are we headed? The climax. Like the, you know, closing ceremony or something at the Olympics. Like, yeah, what is like the point of going to the party? Just to party. I'm wondering whether to just describe it and then you answer okay, that question okay, okay, okay. or actually tell you what the final thing was. I'll I'll take it in and then I'll decide. I'll, you know what? I'll I'm just going to go feel. ahead and tell you now. Okay. Oh. He unveils a giant phallic tower that he dedicated <laughs> to himself. <laughs> so the party is to launch a penis statue. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, And every important dignitary and world leader (laughs) is there for the unveiling of the giant penis. (gasps) You know what I'm going to say? Why are men? Why are men? Is it his his himself? No, no, no. It's just a phallic shape. Let me show it to you and then you can tell me if you do think that it looks phallic. <laughs> this is going to like say a lot about whether you and I agree on what looks phallic. What kind of dicks have we both seen? all statues are phallic. <laughs> oh, might really sort of be, depend on the angle. Oh, let me see. From that angle, it Ooh. looks more like an arch. Most of the photos I saw were taken from a lower angle. No, I'm just, I'm getting vag vibes. Ah. I'm getting vag vibes. We've obviously each got something on our minds. What's happening here? Why have we seen this so... What are we both seeing in this? Why do you see a dick and I see a vag? To me, that's a big vag hole. I see what you're saying. Yeah, my brain's just never going to go in that direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't even compute. No, yeah, But ultimately, he just wanted to have this giant monument that was named after him that he thought was going to be on par with, like, the Eiffel Tower... Big Ben, Statue of Liberty, Dick Shah statue. Tower. Yeah, yeah. okay. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry, Shah Tower. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was sort of the climax of the event, but a bit of an anticlimax because by then everyone right. was pretty damn tired and bored. Okay. Adult, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'll walk you through most of mm-hmm. the different mm-hmm. functions mm-hmm. that happened. Uh, but first I have to let you know the catering was provided by the best restaurant in the world at the time, Which? Maxime's de Paris. Uh, They were booked to handle all the food and all the booze, Mm. which meant they had to shut down their restaurant for two weeks Mm. and fly all their hundreds and hundreds of tons of kitchen equipment over to Iran, as well as all of their staff and more than four tons of ingredients because the head chef refused to work with any local produce. So he insisted everything like milk, salt, parsley, everything – all be brought over. We'll get to describing some of the food a little bit later. Yeah. In a country where most of the people are starving and they're shipping in four tonnes oh of food. Oh, my God. Just to feed 600 people for oh, three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then the booze. Now, yeah. in theory, Iran should be a dry country because mm-hmm. they're Muslim. But <laughs> This wine order. Do you want to have a guess how many bottles of champagne? Oh, oh um... I'm getting tingly thinking about it. Um, 50,000. Oh, way off. 
Oh, did I just ruin it by going too high? Yeah. Cut that, Lindsay. <laughs> Let me redo it. Let's bring our acting skills into this. Ask me again. For 600 people. Yeah. How many bottles of champagne do you think they ordered? Well, Jacob, I'm not going to say a ridiculously high number <laughs> and ruin the moment. I'm going to say 5,000. Well, half that. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> But still, two and a half thousand bottles of Dom Perignon champagne. Doesn't that say a lot about how I calculated in my head how many bottles each person would need? Yeah. <laughs> That's not great. Yeah. I'm like, two and a half thousand for 600 people is not mm. a lot. A lot of the guests were Muslims who did not drink sure. as well. Okay. Then a thousand bottles of Bordeaux, a thousand bottles of Burgundy, and we mm. know that they can cost up to $10,000 each. Mm. 600 bottles of cognac, and then 12,000 bottles of scotch whiskey. Ugh. I feel like they must have ended up being gifts for someone. Sure. And it's probably like, isn't that what all the men, the you know, the Prince Philippi type men would drink the whiskey? Yeah. That was a, So they probably just thought that's what they would all want, they, I guess. Yeah, 12,000. Why did you need that much? Anyway, I think they're just... Someone wasn't auditing this. Sure. Properly. I'm like, why would you need 12,000 bottles of whiskey when I was like 50,000 yeah. of champagne? <laughs> Surely. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like I said, the Air Force flying all this stuff in day after day after day for 13 months back and forth oh from Paris God. to Tehran, Paris to Tehran. And the army was then moving it around on their trucks. Mm. The armed forces were just part of the party, party planning, planning committee. committee. Yes. <laughs> Um, pretty much every day there were updates in news all around the world yeah. about preparation for the party. And yeah. there was some gushing excitement for this massive celebration of the century. But there was also quite a bit of questioning the point of all this extravagance. Yes. Like, what is this going to achieve? Because they don't know it's the dick tower. Yeah. So, right, okay. Mm. It's like, why? Mm. Yeah. A lot of people in Iran and around the world were very, very cranky that the Shah was spending all this outrageous amount of money. And there were yes. protests in countries all around the world, but they couldn't happen in Iran because if anyone said anything mm. against the Shah or his regime or the party, they would get arrested, they'd probably be tortured, mm. they may even end up being killed. Executed, yeah. yeah. This so, is why I'm so shocked that all these... This is why I thought it was going to be celebrities and not world leaders and dignitaries going because mm. I thought they would never go because they, how bad does that look? Mm. Like a celebrity's an idiot. But if you're the Queen's husband, yep. probs don't go yep. to that. Mm. Can't believe it. I know. Jails were overflowing oh, before why? the event happened because anyone who was even suspected of being a dissenter, possibly a protester, arrested. Oh, okay. And so they just jammed them all into prison. Yeah. They weren't taking any chances when it came to security. They had 65,000 armed security personnel <laughs> like, working around the clock. Most of them from the armed forces. They right. did bring a lot of people in from overseas mm. as well. Um, schools and universities were closed for the weeks leading up to the event because they thought wow. students were the ones who were most likely to be outspoken oh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, start a controversy. And, yeah. Yep. And then October arrived. Yeah. Miraculously, everything was on track to be re ready. The Shah arranged for all of the events to be broadcast live around mm. the world. He set up deals with different broadcasters and he also hired a film crew to make a 
full-length documentary that was going to be narrated by Orson Welles (laughs) and shown in cinemas all around the world. I got to say, as a PR exercise and a, like, party of the millennium goal, he's kind of nailing it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, he's he's thought of every Mm. possible angle here. Mm. But it's still going to backfire on him, as you will see. So the first official event of the festival, this is actually when it kind of started Mm -hmm. backfiring, Uh, before all the guests arrived for the hoo-ha, the Shah and his family went to visit the tomb of Cyrus the Great, the founder of Mm -hmm. the empire. They had this big pompous ceremony with, you know, military marches and all that sort of thing. And then the Shah delivered this very flowery, poetic eulogy to the first emperor Mm -hmm. of Persia. And this was the first attempt that he was trying to make it seem like he was taking the baton Mm. from Cyrus in some sort of relay race through two and a half millennia. (laughs) And in his speech, he was like, okay, you did your part. Now it's time for me to do mine. You sleep, you rest, because we are wide awake and ushering Persia into this new era of greatness, that really, really pissed people off. He's like, oh, you're awake? You're awake? <gasps> Cyrus would be absolutely disgraced. Yeah. Why are we hungry he, then? Yeah. Be pissing our money away yeah. on this party for you and your cronies to celebrate <gasps> everything about you and your own greatness. And um, you're just the son of some guy. Exactly. You're not even related to Cyrus. Yeah. <gasps> People openly said he's just a peasant. Yeah, like, yeah. The, and also, like, Cyrus was against imprisoning people. Mm-hmm. Cyrus was all about liberties and human rights mm. and the Shah mm. didn't give a toss. Uh, so the guests started arriving and throughout, from the moment the first guest was on their way, the mm-hmm. country's borders were closed for everyone My except God. for the people who were on the invite list. They were the only people allowed to enter Iranian airspace for the next four days. So it's like... The country has a red carpet. That's it. And everyone mm-hmm. is just watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's it. Mm-hmm. For the whole, oh, my God. Which is God. precisely what he wanted. <gasps> he wanted all the people of Iran to feel this incredible sense of pride yeah. of what their country had achieved. A party. By throwing a party. <laughs> okay. For the world's most privileged people. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds of journalists and camera crews were all there. Mm-hmm. They arrived at this newly built airport near Persepolis that had been Uh custom built and they watched as these 60-something private jets flew in the world's leaders. Of course, Barbara was there. Barb's. Reporting live. Yeah. Um, And we've covered off some of the big names that arrived. All the royals, everyone, yeah. They were greeted one by one on the tarmac by the Shah and his wife, the Empress. Then they walked a red carpet to get to one of the 250 brand new red (coughs) Mercedes-Benz limousines. (laughs) 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 Just for the event, just to ferry the kings and queens and emperors around. And then they were taken to their assigned tent so they could freshen up and admire this gorgeous resort that had been built just for them. Oh, my God. And then God. when the time came, they'd put on their jewels and their crowns and their gowns and fix their mugs and get ready for the first big event. Glance at the tapestry of themselves <laughs> and leave the tent. This is what Billy McFarland thought Firefest would be, mm-hmm. don't you think, in his mind? Yeah. Oh, my God. But he, this guy did it. Mm. 
look, I know this is a disaster and people are starving, but I'm kind of impressed by the party. It's super so far. Logistically, what they were able to achieve. Yeah. Unbelievable. Private jet to a red carpet to a red limousine. To a thing. Oh my lord. Human made oasis in the middle of the desert. And then I'd get to the party and be like, there's not enough champagne. (laughs) 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 How tired are these people? Uh, So, yeah, the first big event is really sort of considered the main event, their reception dinner. That's the thing that gets the most attention Mm. in the whole story. It went down in the Guinness Book of World Records as the grandest, longest, most expensive dinner party (gasps) in history. Like I said, I can't imagine a less fun way to spend an evening because there was so much stifling protocol. Right. Which began when you got to the reception hall Mm -hmm. because you had to wait outside until no one who outranked you Mm. was waiting. And And these are people who aren't used to waiting. Correct. How did they decide? when they went in had to be greeted once again by the Shah and the Empress, which would take a few minutes, sometimes longer. But, yeah, if you were um, an emperor, king, queen, then prince, whatever, that's a pretty easy rank to follow. Yeah, but which emperor? But what if there's a few queens? Which one? How do you pick? Which one goes first? This is why it was such a minefield oh for them God. to try to figure out because they didn't want to put a foot wrong, but yeah. then they would put a foot wrong. And then, of course, everyone's sort of thinking about where do I rank compared yeah. to him and to her. I wonder who was at the very end. Probably like, the Governor General. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was us. Would make sense. That makes sense. It was the Governor General. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then once they got in there and they were assigned their seats, yeah. all the really, really important people got to sit at the main table, which oh. was this big, long, 70-something metre long table mm-hmm. that they'd cleverly sort of made wind and bend a bit like a snake. Everyone mm-hmm. described it as serpentine because that then made it a little more difficult to work out, well, where are the best seats? Yeah. And who am I in proximity to? So they'd sort of created these different peaks Mm. around the table. So everyone was close to someone who was super important, Mm -hmm, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, no, that's smart. And they got to sit there and eat their dinner and listen to some very, very dusty speeches. Right. (laughs) From some important people that Mm -hmm. they were probably incredibly bored by. Yeah. It went for six hours. (gasps) Six hours? Hours, mm-hmm. dinner. Imagine if you were stuck next to a really, really boring person. Oh, like the Governor General of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you going to tell us the food? Yes. So because Maxine's, I mean, look, I could eat for six hours, mm, depending on what it was. You would, well, some of it you would like. Okay, here we go. Yeah, well, what do you think would be on there? Foie gras, no, of course. Yes. What else? Um. Uh. Quail eggs. Correct. That was the very first appetizer. Was it? Quail See? eggs and caviar. Oh, I know mm-hmm. rich things. Um, spatchcock. Close. What? Uh, quail. Quail. Spatchcock. Quail. Hang on to quail, yes, but what's another type of cock that they might have served? Yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would serve that term. Cock. What is another type of cock? Peacock. Oh, peacock. Eating peacock? 
This was kind of a, an illusion they created, yes. So they wanted, obviously, to make everything seem incredibly opulent and they called the, um, the throne the peacock throne. Right, yeah, Iran, yeah. Traditionally. So they wanted to serve peacock, but the thing is peacock doesn't taste that great. So instead... How'd they find that out? They got a bunch yeah. of different, tried a few different recipes and in the end the French chef was like, no, I can't work I can't. with this. Yeah. We're going to do quails stuffed with foie gras and truffles uh-huh. and then we'll just arrange them underneath a taxidermied peacock and tell everyone it's that, peacock. Oh, okay. Mm, yeah. Sure. So... Look, Princess Anne fell for it. Yeah. And she, when she got back to England, I was going to say, everyone, was she demanding peacock? I'll never eat peacock ever again. Well, she didn't like she it. She said she didn't like it. And then they were like, oh, but she actually, eats quite, quail. Yeah, she eats it all yeah. the time. <laughs> they go out and shoot it every morning and make it for dinner. Yeah. Oh, Anne. Just a mindset thing. And then, of course, there was lobster and lamb and. So there wasn't crazy things like, um, you know, tiger or. Human. Like, yeah. Mm. Well, you know what I mean. Mm. Like, just because you can and it's rare. Yeah. It was just like the creme de la creme of stuff that you French, get at Maxine's. French stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's why I said quail eggs and foie gras because yeah. that's like French delicacy stuff. Yeah. That's the two I know. And just put truffles on everything. Yeah. You may have noticed by now all of the people who are involved in the creative choices here, French. Yeah. Everything looks French. It all did. The food is French. And that this room is meant looks French. to be French. celebrating Persian mm. supremacy. And, and it looks like nothing Persian about it. It looks extremely Versailles European esque. Yes. Yeah. The chandeliers, the drapery, yeah. all of it. Yeah. He really aspired the Shah to westernize Iran and sort of take it more towards Europe than towards Asia or to the Arabic Cyrus countries. would love that. Yeah, That's exactly what he would have wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So six hours went past, speeches, they're all sort of under the spotlight because the cameras are on them. I would have thought it was just torture. They'd be ready for bed. But instead they had to go outside into the freezing cold and watch a sound and light display that was going to teach them about the history of Iran. Oh, my God. So they had to put on their ermines and their minks and go and sit down outside and be educated. <laughs> After you've been eating and drinking for six hours yeah. in which the champagne definitely ran out. It's like the like when you had to go to a birthday party with a little kid and you have you have to do the thing that they want even though it's boring. Mm. Like that. Yeah. And it kind of gets worse from here. But first I just have to tell you, before they were allowed to go to bed. Finally, the light and sound show ended. They'd learned everything they needed to learn. Yeah. Then there was a blackout. Ah, what? What and do you mean? Like the just... electricity was just off. Oh. No lights anywhere. Uh-oh. No one could see anything. That went for a minute. And then another minute passed. And then another minute passed. And then there was a huge explosion. What? And everyone freaked out because they thought, oh, my God, we're under attack. Yeah. And, of course, they were anticipating that the whole time. Yeah. False alarm was just fireworks. Oh, <laughs> no. warned them there was going to be a fireworks <laughs> display. So there was oh, this no. brief moment of panic where you've got 64 world leaders screaming and thinking, this is it, we're this is the bombed. end, head to the bunker. Uh, but no, it was just fireworks. So they probably struggled to fall asleep a little bit that Houses. night, their first night in the tent city. Uh-huh. And then they woke up, probably not feeling so fresh, uh-huh. for day two where they had to go and watch a parade. Hours and hours of a parade that told the history of the Persian military over the past 25 centuries. Uh, Sitting in the blaring hot sun, uh, watching this procession. 
each float featured hundreds of real soldiers yeah. who'd been ordered to dress up in historically accurate costumes from each of the dynasties from 550 oh. BCE onwards. onwards. And when I say costume, I mean full wigs, fake beards, props, the whole Whoa. shebang. I hope those soldiers enjoyed playing dress up. Yeah. Because <laughs> that day they had to do it head all. to toe, yeah. put on a show. And I just love imagining the behind-the-scenes stuff for this, yeah. like the dress rehearsals yeah. and when they released the cast list and they <laughs> yeah, found out who gets, who to, gets to play who? Xerxes. Oh, my gosh. It's like um, the comers dressed as something from your um, culture section of the Miss Universe pageant mm. where they all do something really ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. And so once that was done, they then got to go and have their second fancy dinner. This one was a little bit more relaxed mm-hmm. and actually did have some Persian culture in there. Okay. Like they got to watch some traditional dances and try some traditional foods. Mm-hmm. This was really the only taste they got. Mm. Um, and they went to bed, day three, woke up. That's when they left the golden tent city and headed for Tehran. Oh. On what? Yeah, Camels. Camels. Buses. Oh. Can you imagine? <laughs> Buses. Buses. In the documentary that Orson Welles narrates, they make such a big deal out of This is probably the first time some of these royals have ever been on a bus, but these weren't buses like we know them. These were lux, lux, lux coaches yeah. that have been custom built just for this event and had a full meal service. <laughs> just in case. How long's course. the trip? Several hours. Oh, I was thinking it was like 10 minutes down no. the road. Oh, okay. It's several hours. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, yeah, but they just wanted once again to show off. Mm. Look what we came up with. The world's <gasps> most luxurious bus, bus. coach thing. Um, and you can imagine the cavalcade with all the security people yeah. surrounding them. They headed off to Tehran, the capital of uh-huh. Iran. Still had a few official things they needed to do. I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of the guests did their best to get out of attending some yeah. of these, particularly visiting the monument to the Shah's dead Nazi-sympathising father. Oh, yeah, don't want to be seen there. No, mm. you don't want to be associated with that at all. But the Shah was trying desperately to rewrite history and make it seem like his father was the start of a great dynasty because mm-hmm. it was only him and his dad who yeah. been yeah, the first and then They're the last. They're just some dudes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, they got that out of the way. And then, yes, the final big chore <gasps> was the inauguration of the giant Vag penis tower. Is it under a big like red cloth, like under, and then they whip it off? Is that no. oh, that would have been great. It was just sort of like a ta-da, just there. cut a ribbon sort of thing. There that it would have is. been spe- yeah. <laughs> That's what they should have spent the money. On. They could have repurposed that giant the, the tablecloth. Table yeah. Um, so then they just went and it was like, and here's the giant ta-da. penis vag, depending on your perspective. Thanks for coming. And then the guests were released. They Released. <laughs> the borders were open. They flew out on their jets and the Shah declared the entire event to be a huge triumph mm. and he got ready to enjoy all the praise and the glory mm-hmm. that he thought he so richly deserved. And there was a decent amount of that in the media. He did have newspapers and magazines that were gushing over the event. I mean, they just loved the Fact they that the got event to be happened, there. That they I mean, got to be there and it helped them sell so many units because yeah. there was a lot of curiosity from people who wanted to see what are they wearing? What yeah. jewels do they have on? What's on the menu? Like everyone had this curiosity yeah. about the event. So, yeah, a lot of the media loved the fact that it happened. 
But the Shah did also cop a fair bit of criticism, mm. which he really did not care for, mm-hmm. especially when he was confronted about it directly, which Barbara Walters even did. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what the media coverage was, and I'm sure just as with all this stuff, there is always, um, there are always fluff pieces about mm. the party details and the fashion and the food and whatever, but surely most of the media, including Barb's, who was a smart lady, would mm. be like, what the F? Yep. Did she say that to his face? Yeah. <gasps> She's like, look, there are a lot of people who are criticising you for having this party and spending all of this money. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how she often does this? I'm certainly not an expert in mm. Barbara Walters, but she'll often ask two questions at mm-hmm. once. And she'd say, what do you say to those people to defend throwing the party? And why do you think it was a valid way for you to spend mm. all of this money? So mm-hmm. she's sort of, le- it's a very leading question. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. In court. Anyway, basically his argument, and he does get very snippy. He's like, well, how much would they know about how much we're spending? Yeah. The only money we're really spending is on two meals, the dinners that we're hosting <laughs> for our guests. <laughs> two and dinners. And of course, we're just being good hosts. Right. That's all it's about. Okay. From very early on, he just started deflecting and acting like they'd hardly spend anything. In mm. fact, the party had just paid for itself because look at all the incredible publicity yeah. we've managed to get all around the world. <laughs> sure, okay. So I yeah. don't know what you're talking about, uh-huh. this expense. They never completely revealed how much they'd spent. but it Estimates? Was obvious. So some of the lowest estimates yeah. were around 100 to $200 million. Oh. The higher end was over a billion. Yeah. And we're talking in 1971. It has to be yeah. over a billion. It has yeah. to be. Absolutely. I'm yeah. so... It has to be. The infrastructure. The they built everything. The flights back and forth from Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Like they built the buses. They built the everything. Mm. It has to have cost over a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the consensus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I will just quickly say before I get into how the proper backlash kicked off, yeah. a number of reporters who were there to report on this event were able to sneak off mm. to different villages and talk to locals mm. in the cities and get a real read on the public perception of the Shah and of the party what they and saying? got to hear all sorts of information about the um, unlawful imprisonments oh, and the poverty that they were having to live in. Yeah, And they were also finding out, you know, the public sentiment was we are a Muslim country and we don't like that he's westernising us Mm. so much. He's sort of dragging us against our will in Mm. a direction a lot of us don't want to go in. But because this isn't really a democracy, we don't have a say. Mm. Yeah. So globally, there was some really bad publicity about Mm -hmm. the Shah. According to my mum, though, for the next few years, they were still sort of, he and his wife were seen as like the Charles and Diana. So they were constantly on the cover of Women's Day, New Idea, those sorts of mags, because they were very glamorous. Yeah. It's just that, yeah, politically, a lot of people just did. they were very corrupt. But yeah, most importantly, within Iran is when people were getting furious at him for spending all of that money. And he was trying to say, look, I... Honestly, I don't think we could possibly have spent more than $17 million, maybe $21 million yeah. at a stretch. And they're like, just show us the receipts. Mm-hmm. We want to see how much he spent. That was never officially revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then <laughs> this was one of my favourite responses when um, he got really snippy when he was asked about why he chose to spend that money. Uh, he said, these were kings and queens. What was I supposed to feed them? Bread and radishes? <laughs> And so then his opposition all around the country were like, 
We'd love some bread and radishes, actually, if you know where we can get some. We'll take anything. Oh, no. So, yeah, the sentiment really... And you invited them. Yeah. (laughs) These people that I invited needed to be fed because I invited them. (laughs) What was I to do? (laughs) Even he, though, was very disappointed. Why? (laughs) That when he watched the movie narrated by Orson Welles... Oh, yeah. He was like... Why are there no Iranians here? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not seeing any Iranians. Oh no! And they're like, you "You didn't didn't invite invite them. You saw the guest list. You approved it. You had your opportunity to say, you know what? Maybe we should invite some of our high-ranking ministers in the cabinet. You didn't. You prioritised your overseas friends. Yeah, Yeah. and they're the ones who help you, you know, stay corrupt and in power and Mm. uh uh-oh. Yeah. Maybe give them some foie gras. So it kept getting worse and worse over the course of the next few years. More and more protests happening. Mm. The downward spiral continued because when people would protest, he'd imprison them, torture Mm. them. Mm -hmm. Word of that would get out, so everyone started to turn against him. So then ultimately this culminated in a revolution mm. which was led by an Islamic um, cleric, mm-hmm. I think, Ayatollah Khomeini. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when was this? 1979. Also nine years later. Yeah. Okay. Um, that ended the Persian monarchy forever mm. and that's what turned Iran into a theocracy mm-hmm. where it's run by these radical Muslim like religious yeah. um, leaders rather than like government leaders. That's right. What yeah. happened to the Today, Shah? He was sent into exile and he spent the next year bouncing around the world, staying with some All of his people, royal friends? His guests. <gasps> Not one of them, though, offered him a permanent home. So he just kept sort of ah. moving, moving, moving. No one was willing to take in the deposed Shah. Yeah. Mm. And then he died the next year, 1980. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Medical problems and a broken heart. A broken heart. One of his friends liked him enough to take him in. Or to give him a personalised tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> to return uh, the, um, um, the what do you call it, hospitality. <laughs> How very dare. And so he got his wish in a twisted way. He will go down in history. There's Cyrus the Great as the first emperor and then Mohammed Reza the final emperor. It's wow. highly unlikely they're going to go back to being no. a monarchy. They have been a theocracy since 1979. The protests that have been happening there for the last six months, probably yeah. longer, have been the Iranians fighting back and yeah. saying, no, we don't want to be run by a church. We mm. don't want these archaic laws mm. to be in place. Like when the Ayatollah took over, they brought back public executions yeah. and people having their hands cut off and women had to go back to wearing. Yeah, um, the full the very, yeah, yeah. coverage, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what they're protesting mm. against and hopefully they are successful. But, yeah, that was just the gist of the party of millennium that ended a monarchy. And if you want to know more than yeah. just the gist, uh-huh. um, I'll post some links to some very good documentaries. Wanna, can you watch because, the movie, the Awesome yes, World one? you can. Is it long? Uh, it's an hour and 15, I think. Oh, so no, I'd rather just watch like a documentary than a... The doco's yeah. better and the okay. doco uses 
heaps of the footage. Oh, okay, cool. Plus it interviews people who were working there as wait staff mm. and people who were on the planning committee and you've got people who were pro-Shah, people who were anti-Shah, people who were imprisoned <gasps> by the Shah. So you get heaps yeah, of yeah. different perspectives and they do a really good job of helping you understand yeah. how, how ridiculously over the top the event was and yeah. then how ultimately it led to the domino effect of revolution in the country. Yeah. And there are some great articles. There's an entire website that you can go through that'll take you to lots of different pictures and provide lots of different context right down to the detail of like the jewels that all the different queens were wearing in their tiaras. Um, It's so fascinating because it wasn't a terrible idea, to be honest, mm -hmm. to like... This is why countries take the Olympics on, like Mm. cities take the Olympics. Cities spend probably close to a billion dollars if they get the Olympics and they build these massive, like, stadiums, infrastructure, everything. I mean, Olympic Park in Sydney was a suburb that did not exist. Mm. We built that suburb just for the Sydney 2000 Olympics because it is, it's like good tourism money for your country. It's good for the economy. It's good for, like, there's a whole lot of reasons, good PR, whatever. Mm. Like, so the idea wasn't terrible if he had, like, also been a good-hearted person with good intentions Mm. for his country and its people. Yeah. Like, he could have done both. Yeah. And it could have been a very different direction mm. for Iran if he had been looking after the people and they were well taken care of and happy and then he threw this party to say to the world, hey, like we're, we're moving forward with the times and we want to sort of link our culture with the West and let's go. And then, but no, he just wanted the party really. Mm. He just wanted the party. He was all about propaganda. Yeah. And putting on a show and... Yeah, his personal brand. Yes. Rather than actually doing his job and being a good, benevolent leader. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Yes. I'm glad you found it interesting. No, I really did. Mm. I want to watch stuff about it now. It. Uh, what happened to the tapestries? They took the tapestries home. Oh. It was probably a really big diss if you didn't take your tapestry yeah. home. Yeah. But the thing is they didn't just take the tapestries. What? When they went to go and, like, do a little stock take of yeah. what was left in the tents... Ashtrays, gone. Oh, of course. Phones, gone. Yeah, of Radios, course. gone. Yeah. Because it'd all be made, it'd be like a crystal ashtray. It'd be like a solid gold phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not like a hotel where you get charged for taking the towel. Like, mm. it's they just, you know, take that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Help yourself. And no one's more entitled than a royal. Oh, yeah, so. I was going to say, no, England likes taking things from other countries that aren't theirs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that was really good. That was fascinating. Glad you enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, links in the show notes and um, highly recommend if the only thing that you ingest is Decadence and Downfall in Iran, mm-hmm. that is a sensational biography. Okay. Uh, biography. Documentary. Documentary. Yeah. Enjoy. Right. Love okay, you everyone. Bye. Bye. Jacob. Rosie got a doozy for you next week. I feel like that's what I say every week, but they are all (laughs) doozies. But uh, next week, I'm giving just the gist of a very, very famous story Mm -hmm. that you will have heard of. I haven't. Well, you'd heard of it. Vaguely. Everyone's heard of it. Mm. 
but they don't quite know the details of it. There is a photo involved with this story that I would say not a person on the planet hasn't seen. Yeah, you will recognise it. Yeah, yep. it's a good one. Mm-hmm. So half an hour after that, at 10pm, Kate McCann goes over to check on the kids again. She, you look, you're on the edge of your seat. I'm, yeah, you look I'm distressed. filled with anxiety yeah. right now. Yeah, okay. Listener.